Well, hello. Welcome back to Habit Helps, a podcast of Creekside Community Church in San Leandro, California, where we talk about how habits build you and about how you can build better habits. My name is Jeff Bruce. I'm a pastor here at Creekside. I'm joined by my dad. He's also a pastor at Creekside. My name's Jeff Bruce. His name's John Bruce. I call him Dad. Dad, how you doing? Not good. Not good. Yeah. After the game on Sunday, to drop, to drop it to the Cleveland Browns. Oh. Much to the delight of uh, our elder here, Dan Goodson, who's a lifelong Cleveland Browns fan. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think, though, of all the teams in the NFL to lose to, the Browns bother me the least. Really? Yeah, it's like, come on, man. <laughs> They've never been good. It's been so long. I, yeah. they, they bother me the least. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good way to look at it. I, yeah. I just hate to lose. And, uh, yeah. Well, Dad, you didn't lose. Part of the Niners team. did. No, we lost. We lost. That's a good point. <laughs> if we had shown up a little more for the game, they might That's have. right. I was thinking today, you know, I'm kind of like the Niners, Dad. I'm not at 100% today. I'm a little banged up, a little tired. Not on my A game yeah, you today. Have a, you have a right to be there. I have way. been due for an off podcast, yeah. and I think this could be the day. So, <laughs> listeners, hopefully you stay with it here. But uh, I uh, feel a little blank, banged up, a little shoulder, a little oblique, a little ankle here, you know. So, mm, just yeah. not quite not quite 100%. Yeah, well, we'll... We'll depend on God here, and and hopefully something of value will happen. Sometimes you got to podcast through pain, Dad, and yeah. that's what I'm going to do <laughs> today as we continue our series, Smart People, What Proverbs Teaches About Building Habits. Proverbs is all about wisdom. Biblical wisdom isn't theoretical. It's practical. It's skill, skill in living, which means that, that biblical wisdom is all about the small daily decisions we make to work with the grain of God's universe. So Proverbs is the Bible's wisdom book. It's also, I think, the Bible's habit book. It shows us what kinds of small daily decisions we should make uh, to work with God and the way that He has ordered the world. So we've looked at a bunch of habits that Proverbs commends, and today we're going to look at what Proverbs says about deeds of mercy and justice good deeds. Because according to Proverbs, smart people don't just do good, they are proactive in doing good. Right. So, Dad, where do you want to start? Well, I think to give it a little overview, I, I was thinking of the, of the story of the Good Samaritan. And, uh, of course, the lawyer comes to Jesus and says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And, and uh, Jesus says, what does the Scripture say to you? And he says, well, you'll give him the right answer. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and might, and, and love your neighbors yourself. And Jesus says, you're right, go do it. And, and the lawyer wants to justify himself that this isn't that simple. This, it, it, you just can't make it. So he says, well, so who is my neighbor? And, of course, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And the thing that struck me about that as I thought about it is the, the, the difference between the priest and the Levite and the Good Samaritan is that the Good Samaritan took the opportunity when he had it to do good. And the priest and the Levite did not take the opportunity. They didn't do anything wrong. They just didn't do anything. And I, and I thought, are, are Christians today more like the Samaritan or are they more like the priest and the Levite? In other words, are we, are we opportunistic and looking for opportunities to help people and do good and get involved and and, and take action, which Jesus says, that's what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. 
Um, or are we more like the priest and the Levite who say, this isn't my responsibility, I, I don't know what's going on here, this is, I'd probably be safer to just avoid this situation altogether and go on with my day, uh, the things I want to do. So, and I, I'm, I'm certainly more like the priest and the Levite than I am like the Samaritan. And so I need, I need what Proverbs has to say in this. Me too. And it's natural to commend the Samaritan. We read the story and we think, of course, be like the Samaritan. But if you've ever been in a situation that's ethically complicated or that entails risk for you, like that one did, it's really hard in the moment to say, am I really going to count the cost and, and do good here? Yeah. Had a little example this week. My daughter was walking home with a friend from the store, and she called me on her way home and said, hey, Dad, our neighbor's car is running. And when we walked by, it was running. And now 30 minutes later, it's still out in the, in the front lot, and it's still running. Should I check on him? And before I said, sure, knock the door, I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, what does this mean? And what's going on in the house? And what could this risk entail? And, and I had to pause and think about well, yeah, it. Yeah. And, and yet I'm like, no, wait, just, just, just you have a ring cam, hit it. Mm-hmm. You know, if they don't answer, whatever. And sure yeah. enough, hit it, ring cam. But, but my impulse was immediately like, eh, I don't know, you know, and, and part of that's parental protectiveness. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and yet it's like, that's a very simple way to do good. And her impulse was right. Yes. Um, um, but the reality is, we think, you know, oh, just do good. It's so simple. Well, often you're in situations where it's not that simple. Exactly. And it's going to be costly. Yeah. And yet that is what the scriptures command. Yes. Is to take the risk. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought looking at Proverbs, what it, Proverbs has to say about this, and it's not silent on this at all. Yeah. As I see. And so the first thing, and the thing that encourages me to take that initiative is the fact that uh, smart people take the opportunity to do good because they take God seriously. And uh, the whole point of of Proverbs is that wisdom begins with a proper view of God. Um, As we've seen before, Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And Proverbs 9-10, the fear of the Lord uh, is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And so what do I know about God that will help me in taking initiative to do good. And, and the scriptures are pretty clear that God takes this very seriously. Yeah. Uh, how we treat people in need. Um, Proverbs 14.31, He who oppresses the poor taunts his maker, but he who is gracious to the needy honors him. It's just how I treat the unfortunate person or the abused person or the person in need, God says, that's the way you te- treat me, which is, of course, what Jesus says in, in Matthew 25, I was hungry and you gave me something to drink. I was thirsty, or I gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was in prison. You came and visited me. And, and of course, the, the sheep will say, well, when did we ever do that? We don't remember seeing you. He says, to the extent you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So God takes it very seriously how we treat uh, people in need around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he who insults the poor mocks his maker. Right. It's a, it's a strong statement there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. Right. And so that's, I think it's so important because um, discussions of poverty get so politicized or caught up in these other cultural battles. You have to respond to God in the way you view people yes. in need. And it starts not with what you do for the person, but how you view the person. Right. And, and to say, this person, God views them yeah. in a certain way, and and my relationship with God is bound up with the way they are viewed. Yeah. And 
everyone has a sinful inclination in their heart to despise people who are lowly. Yeah. To write them off, regardless of the reason, rather than go, no, they have been created by God, just like me. We're on a level playing field, and I'm not going to approach them with an air of superiority at all. Yeah. Now, that, I don't know what I'm going to do for them yet, but how I view them is what God is most concerned about right there, because that's going to affect what I end up doing for them. Yeah. No, that's good. That's great. Yeah, so this is what God's concerned about. Mm-hmm. Um, Proverbs nineteen seventeen: one who is gracious to the poor man lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deed. <laughs> so um, that's a, that sounds like a good investment to me. Um, <laughs> You know, a much better investment than the, the ones I've made and stuff. And in and, and Proverbs 25, 21, and 22, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink, for you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Yeah. Again, same thing, that the deeds of a man's hands return to him. And so that's why smart people are just not, don't wait till the need is on top of them. And, and they, they can't do anything but respond, but are looking for opportunities to do good because they know that's going, that's going to please God. Right. And um, I just, um, that's why Proverbs 14, 22 is kind of my last one here. Will they not go astray who devise evil, but kindness and truth will be to those who devise good. I right. like that. Devising good, looking for opportunities to do good, will bring kindness and truth into your life. Yeah. Yeah, God will reward you yes. for that. And and you think, just on a cause and effect level, this is true in the world, Yeah, right? Um, that people who are exacting for reciprocity don't get it. Yes. You know, the people who are You're always right. like, I'm going to give you a little bit, but you have to give something in return, and they're yes. always looking... Uh, you know the debtor's ethic, and yeah. and 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 the giver is always looking for something, and then mad when they don't get it. Those kind of people uh, never get what they're looking for. Right. But inevitably, the people who are just free and generous with their time, with their money, uh, are the people who are the most attractive, yeah. <laughs> and the most blessed, and who are not exacting with that, but right. can give freely, expecting nothing in return, and just being proactive to do good. Right. Um, and I would I would say there it's not that they're expecting nothing in return. They're expecting nothing in return from people. Yes, because they're again, looking to their re- for their reward in the right place. Exactly that, which yeah. gets back to the whole point that smart people look for opportunities to do good because they take God seriously. They they realize that God is the rewarder. God is the one who sees all, and He will make sure you get rewarded. Yeah, even yeah. if 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 you're not in other words. So that's one thing, and then the, the second thing which you kind of said there is. is goes along with that, that smart people look for opportunities to do good because they know it will benefit them. Yeah. And uh, again, so because I believe in the God of the Bible, I know that if I look for opportunities to do good, God... So Proverbs eleven seventeen: the merciful man does himself good. Hmm. The cruel man does himself harm. Isn't that interesting? That, that, that your deeds will return to you good or evil. Yeah. Um, Proverbs twenty one thirteen: Who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be answered. Hmm. That's a scary one. Yeah. And, uh, he was generous will be blessed, for he gives some of his food to the poor. Proverbs twenty two nine. So so that you do good not only in response to God in faith and because you're helping other people because you're doing yourself good. Yeah. Through that. 
and uh, I, I read years ago, I read about a study, a law, a 30-year study that was done by Cornell University on 427 married women and mothers. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was the, they went in with the idea that the more children a woman had, the more stress she was going to be under and the more it would affect her health. Yeah. They found that that was not the case at all. And, and they found, in fact, that 30 years into the study, which would have been at where? That would have been about 1986 um, or so, that the big difference in those women in terms of health, longevity, and all these things was the ones who had, got, had engaged in community service huh. and the ones that did not. Really? Yeah. And the ones that had not engaged in, in community service, about 50 what was it? Fifty-two percent had suffered a major illness during those wow. thirty years, while only thirty percent, thirty-six percent of those who had been involved in community service and helping others had it had a major illness. Yeah. And over the years, they found that one of the greatest impacts on longevity is people who do good. People who do good are just, as a whole, far healthier physically than people who live for themselves. Yeah. It's so you're what you're what you're saying. What if I'm hearing you right? <laughs> it's more blessed to give than to receive. Wow! It's, wow, man! Yeah, and that the, all the data and science backs that up. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, yeah. Jesus was right again. Yeah. So there exactly. You go. Um, no, that's that's good. So I, I guess a question I have: in ancient Israel, doing good was institutionalized, right? I mean, it was it wasn't just love; it was the law, and the law and love were inextricably bound, right? So there were laws around religious festivals, there were laws around gleaning, there were laws around jubilee, there was laws around freeing indentured servants, there were all of these, all of this framework for being generous, right? And and we don't have that same sort of framework. And, and obviously there was also free will offerings, and so there was things beyond the, the framework. But, you know, I think the dilemma that a lot of people get into could could face as they hear us is kind of like, okay, I see homeless people or I see people with mental health or addiction issues on the street. That's kind of the most pressing example. But like, what does it look like to be proactive as I'm going around my day in, in doing good? Is it is it simply helping those people who I come across, kind of the Good Samaritan example, or is it deeper than that? Is it more than that? Is there intentionality beyond that? Talk about that. Well, I think that's a good point. First of all, I, I think the law was... It was more common in its break, in its being ignored than it was in its observance. Right. Uh, you know, regardless, if you read through the history of Israel, there was never a time that they were really obeying the law, and uh, it was it more pointed out their lack of fear of God than their fear of God. Yeah, I mean, the they had to, the seventy years were for all the Sabbaths. They uh, yeah, they screwed up, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's like you guys never figured this out. Yeah, so now yeah. go to exile and yeah. And then you look even in Jesus' time, and there are multitudes of poor people and beggars on the street, and and far worse than than the homeless problem that we face today. Um, yeah, in terms of the sheer material destitution. Yes. I mean, people starving on the streets, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, but I think I, the, the answer to your question, I think, is, is, and that's a tough one, because when we think of the poor, we obviously go to the unhoused. We go to the people mm-hmm. who are most obvious out there. Right. And yet we know that they're not just there because they're poor. Mm-hmm. There's, there's all under. So I think it, you have to be intentional 
and say, what, how am I going to do the most good rather yes. than how do I relieve this, this guilt I'm feeling just this moment so that I can be free of that and move on with my life? And I think that's where the fear of God really comes into this, is that I, the goal is not to feel good. The goal is to do good. Yes, yes. Sometimes that does mean helping a person on the street. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There are, there are times. But it, it's going to take a level of intentionality and, and being proactive to really figure out what, how do I leverage my time, my, my treasure, my talent, my resources to, to really alleviate need. Yeah. And uh, in some cases, it is just giving people money directly. Yeah. Uh, they have done studies where, especially among the working poor, uh, one of the most effective things is literally just to give them more money. Yeah. And, and, and then if they're working poor, they, they, will, uh, they will go make more money with it. Yeah. And, and that can be way more effective than channeling it through a charitable organization or something like that. Just give them money. That's, yeah. Yeah. That can be a great thing. But in other cases, you know, there's, there's rehabilitation, there's restoration, there's all of these other factors. And I think probably, to me, one of the most challenging things about Proverbs and about the biblical ethic is poverty is not just material. You know, in the West, we can take a very materialistic view of, of the poor. So just throw money at the problem, and it fixes it. Yeah. But that's not how the poor describe their poverty in the world. Um, yeah. You know, there was a study called Voices of the Poor where they surveyed 60,000 poor people in the world years ago. And what they found is the overwhelming experience of poverty was loneliness. Yeah. It was, it was, a, it was a lack of social capital. And I, I used it before, but uh, this example before. But the, the point is... Poverty is psychological, it's relational, it's social, it's societal, it's, it's there's spiritual aspects to it if you're estranged from God, and so it's far more complicated than just throwing money at someone. And so I think one of the great challenges is the Bible, and especially Jesus' ministry, it's not so much give the poor a meal as it's have a meal with the poor. Yeah, yeah that's good. And that's what Jesus models. When you throw a banquet— Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, those who can't invite you. And so I think being proactive is asking not just, yes, I'm going to give to good causes or I'm going to help this need, but how do I bring someone into my life in some way who has nothing to return to me? That's right. Who benefits me nothing, in a sense, and yet I am doing something to help them. Yeah. And it can be as simple as just having a meal with them, just to be a friend to someone in that situation. Yeah. But, you know, I think of Bruce Waltke, the Old Testament scholar, when he talks about the righteous and the unrighteous in, in the book of Proverbs, he says that the righteous are those who will disadvantage themselves for the sake of others and for mm -hmm. the community. Mm -hmm. That's and, good. And, and so I have to have something in my life where this is not an immediate advantage to me in any clear way, and I'm trusting that the Lord's going to um, reward me. I think what I would commend, my long-winded answer is here, don't just think in terms of resources, think in terms of relationship. Yeah. Think, you know, who do I have in my life who, uh, because wealth has an amazing ability to insulate you from people in need. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. I think a good example of that for us is is the Cross Streets ministry that and that Tom Green and his crew have have put together. That they shout out second and fourth Saturdays, Creekside. Yeah, yeah. Come on and, down. And so and so they have gone to the trouble to find out. Okay, where are the food banks? Where can we get food that people need? Yeah. And how can we distribute the food? But not only get the food to them, but how do we use these opportunities to build relationships yes. with them, to start Bible studies with them, to build relationships? And so I would say it, it's building relationships with the poor, but that's not that easy for most people no. because we don't know any poor people. 
So go to people who know poor people. Yeah. Go to go to people who are ministering to poor people who who are doing what you would like to do, and ally yourself with them and begin to help them. And then in the process, you will find people you can build relationships with and begin to have those friendships. Right. Um, you can't just go out on, on the street and say, would you be my friend? Um, it's just, <laughs> that's probably... In fact, I read an article about that the, that the truly needy people are on, are on the streets because they'll be victimized by crime. Mm-hmm. That the people who are the most visible are usually con artists. Um, that... Mm-hmm. that uh, and and uh, that the really the really needy people are kind of invisible, as you said. Yeah, I I think I, I think one of the great challenges is we might feel guilty because we have resources. We see people who aren't, and as you said, you're you're giving something to alleviate guilt, and so it's more about you than about the other person, right? It's just I need to feel better <laughs> because I have and they don't. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you just do that. It, it still can be a bit patronizing. It's kind of you're in the superior position, they're yeah. in the inferior position, yeah. and it keeps it keeps them. <laughs> it's like a way of making people go away, so you don't have to deal exactly. with exactly right. As yeah. opposed to I've saying, you know, and yeah, I've done that too, and absolutely. But as opposed to saying, I am, I I am bankrupt before God. I have nothing I could offer Him. Yeah, I am totally in need, and so hey, let's walk. <laughs> In a sense, from one poor person before God to another, yeah, you know, this is how the gospel kind of revolutionizes it. Let yeah. me walk with you, and and just look for ways to come alongside you as the Lord provides opportunity. Yeah. Um. But but I I benefit from knowing you. I benefit from having you in my life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I trust that I that that I will in 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 some way, and I think that's that's really key to helping to restore someone. Yes. Help them feel restored uh, to the dignity of, um, you know, who they are as a human being. Yeah, in a way. yeah, right. Um, so no, that's good. And again, it's not about money; it's about friendship. And uh, you're not going to be able to build a friend with somebody that you are think yourself superior to. Right. Yeah, and I and I think I think. The, the proximity point is really important, just like, you know, a ministry like Cross Streets, or there's a bunch. we got Love Our Neighbor coming up October 21st, coming up really soon. Quick plug if this uh, podcast gets published before that. So go sign up. And that's great. And go, well, you know, what's that going to do? It's this one-time thing. Well, it, it introduces you to the needs out there yeah. and helps you meet one of them. But then that's just a that's just a foray into this. But you got to get close enough to see these things. Yeah. Because until you get close enough, you really can't diagnose the, the deeper problems, how labyrinthian they are right yeah. in, in 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 how to solve them and then you really see how humbling it is to do that boy we it's god's gonna have to intervene here to solve some of this yeah. stuff because it's just so complicated and you know the deeper we've gotten in our family into the foster care world the more you're like all right god you're gonna have to work this out because yeah. it's just an absolute um mess of sin and brokenness and complication and um yeah that's so good. You gotta get close to, to to it to understand it, though. Yeah, you gotta get in the pool to learn how to swim. Right. And uh, and this is something we're all learning to do. Right. And, and uh, don't expect to be have everything figured out before you <laughs> before you begin, and then so you can control it. It's yeah. it's got to be take one little step at a time. Yeah. And learn from that step. And see what how God leads you. Yeah. No, that's good. Uh, one other small point that I'd make, or not small, but that. That smart people look for opportunities to do good because they take God seriously, because they know it will benefit them. And finally, 
they do it now. They huh. they don't put it off. Um, I think of Proverbs 327, 28, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back, and tomorrow I'll give it when you have it with you. Yeah. That it's just there is a there's a premium on on give it to them now when you have it. Right. Take the opportunity to do good now because you may not the same with the the Good Samaritan. He that was his opportunity right, right. then. It's just he, either he walks past the guy or he helps him. Mm-hmm. And that's the way most opportunities to do good work. Right. It's uh it's not something you can put off or plan for a more convenient time or or any of those things. It's it's you got to do it now or you won't do it. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and as you said, it's a habit. So so start. I think just start a little habit. I think one of the easiest things you can do, um, you know, where do I start? Well, just do something like Compassion International. You know, was it thirty, forty bucks a month? Yeah. Uh, they have run all the statistical models on it to say, does this actually work? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it is effective, but it's just something you can do that'll be a huge benefit to someone in the world who needs help and it's a reputable organization, just, just start and then see where the Lord leads with it. Yeah. But, but I think what, like, like, like you're saying, it's, <laughs> I need to do something to help the poor. It's like, well, like good luck <laughs> yeah. trying to fix this. It, it's, you know, the poor will always be with you. There's yeah. always going to be needs. There's always going to be. And I think that sort of paralysis can, can set in, especially for people in our culture, yeah. you know, as opposed to just, just start doing something. And yeah. if you make a mistake, you'll learn from it and, and, and keep, but, but start small and lower the activation barrier. Cause yeah. otherwise this is just way too overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. No, compassion is a great, a great application because they'll t- team you up with a child yep. that, that has needs, educational needs, families in need, and you can start supporting them and they'll be connected with a local church. Yep. They'll get educated. And, uh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. We've had we've had a number of compassion kids, and we've got some now too, and uh, have walked with them all the way to adulthood. Yeah, and uh, it's it's really neat to see uh, kids that were little when we started working with them, or started giving to them. We didn't really work with them. Yep. But uh, just to see where they are today as a result. Yeah. It's it's great. So. Yeah. Good. I would I would kind of summarize this. I I was thinking about this. Th- Today, you know, you, you wonder how was it that Christianity, which was a small, despised faith, became the dominant faith of the Roman Empire in less than three hundred years, which was which was huge. And uh, Emperor Julian, who was came to uh, power in three sixty one, he was concerned about the inroads the gospel was making and tried to turn the Roman Empire back toward paganism and toward the old gods. And he he said, it is disgraceful that while these impious Christians support both their poor and ours, all men see that our people lack aid from us. (laughs) And, and, uh, and, and I think that that's a great, you know, there was two great plagues. The Christians were the ones who stayed in town and helped the, the sick people and, and often died themselves, while all the pagans were the ones who fled into the country who were able to flee. And it was just over the years, it was the Christians, through their love for their fellow man and doing good every time they had, that's what caused multitudes of people to come to faith. And that's how Christianity became the dominant faith of the Roman Empire. Um, and, and while people turn from the old gods 
and the old idols to worship the true God because of the good deeds that they saw his followers doing. Yeah, and it's what's amazing about the speed of that relative to how, how quickly Christianity destroyed paganism, yeah. in a sense. Just, yeah. just wiped the skies clean of the gods, in yeah. a sense. But then how how forcefully it reshaped the moral imagination yeah. of, of people. Because, you know, within so much of paganism, it's a... It's an ideology of conquest. Yeah. I mean, it's the strong are blessed <laughs> yeah. and the weak are cursed. Yeah. And and it's the strong's rightful place to rule and conquer and destroy and all of these things. And the idea that we should care for the vulnerable. Yeah. And that the more vulnerable someone is and the more weak, the more concern we should show for them. Yeah. Uh, as the moral imagination of a people. You know, those intuitions are so profoundly Christian, and Tom Holland and others have made this argument, you know, trying to trying to find an ethic, you know, beyond the, the Judeo-Christian one and go back to paganism to find it. It's like, it's not there. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it, it really was Christians. And, and, and so that's our heritage as, as believers, and that's the revolution that Jesus really, um, you know, through his own, through Judaism, through Jesus, kind of brought into the world. And that's, uh, you know, that's our heritage as Christians, is to be the people— uh, who don't just have the smartest solutions to these things, but who actually have skin in the game. Yeah. Who actually, if you look at their lives, go, oh, they do things that are hard yeah. and costly, and they do them with joy yeah. um, because they have a greater motivation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's one of the most powerful testimonies to the, to our, the credibility of the message, the, the truth of the gospel. Yeah. Let your light shine before men in such a way they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. There you go. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, that was good, Dad. Good job. Well, you too for being injured. And uh, thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. My oblique's <laughs> feeling better. Shoulder, <laughs> ankle, feeling a little better here. I'm, I'm enthused. I want to go do some good. So. Um, thanks listeners for listening. Hopefully this encourages you and pray for God's leading for you, uh, to do what Paul says in Titus to, to look for cases of urgent need and, uh, and to meet those, be proactive in doing good. All right. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye.